Hi, welcome again to Healthcare Marketing Insights for the week of August 24. I'm Chris Bevelo, president of Interval, healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast, and I'm joined remotely by Adam Meyer, design director at Interval, and Jackie Rotaco, account coordinator at Interval. Hey guys, how are you? Hi. Good. Another nice, balmy day in Minnesota. We're right now at 1131. It's 64 degrees. <laughs> yeah, and very wet. Mm-hmm. We had two nice yeah. days, and now we're paying for it with two really wet yeah. days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. At least today is drizzle. Yesterday was torrential downpour all day. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and the tornado that touched down in downtown Minneapolis. I'm sure people who listen to this podcast from around the country might get ill from listening to us whine about the weather. So maybe we should put a moratorium on that for a while. It's like a Minnesotan's nature to talk about the weather. It is. Yes, that's true. And I just said Minnesotans. Minnesotan. <laughs> Minnesotans. Oh, no. It's going to snow. <laughs> Oops. Okay, so let's dive in here. Adam, I'm going to ask you, uh, we had talked before we started rolling here about a documentary film that you heard about. Why don't you share that with the with the audience. Sure. Well, I just, uh, I just saw an announcement for it in my RSS reader from, um, John Gruber at daring fireball. It's a, he's kind of a Mac slash nerd focused. Uh, isn't that a redundant statement? It is actually, it's totally is. Um, but he just, he shares Mac, uh, information typically, but also a lot of other, uh, stuff. If you don't follow him, great website to check out daringfireball.com. Um, but he had linked to a new documentary that's uh, coming out or is out uh, called Art and Copy. And um, let's give you like the first sentence here, the synopsis, first sentence or two to kind of give you an overview. But Art and Copy is a powerful new film about advertising and inspiration directed by Doug Prey of Surfwise, Scratch, and Hype. It reveals the work and wisdom of some of the most influential advertising creatives of our time, people who have profoundly impacted our culture, yet are virtually unknown outside their industry. Uh, And it goes on and on and on uh, with the description. And I'll let you read it for yourselves rather than reading it here. Uh, And you can see it at artandcopyfilm.com. That's all one long word. Artandcopyfilm.com. So yeah, looks really good, actually. Well, when you were mentioning it before, one of the names that you listed that they were talking about was Lee Clow, who was, uh, he may still be, I don't know, a creative director for Shiat Day, which has been a fantastic ad agency over the years. And it reminded me of a book that helped inspire me to get into this business that was called Inventing Desire, where the author went in and followed the leadership of Shiat Day uh, for like six months and then wrote a book about it. And it was it made me just think, wow, that's what I want to do for a living. This is, this is really cool, and they're having an impact, and uh, it, was, it was a really neat book. So if you, if you get a chance, pick up the book and then check out the film. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, it says here on, it says on their site that it opens in select cities on August 21st, so tomorrow. And it's Tomorrow. Uh, yeah, it's got some accolades on here and some awards, Sundance Film Festival, Atlanta Film Festival, some other stuff, so... Cool. Should be good. Cool. We'll have to see it. Okay. Well, let's let's uh, let's talk about a promise we made last week, and we fulfilled it. We, uh, in the course of talking about wellness and some ads we saw, Jackie had brought up the, just kind of tossed out the idea that one of the ads showed a dude ordering a lot of food 
from a fast food joint, and she described it as ordering the entire left side of the menu. And because we were talking about some of this marketing terminology that we've been coming across, such as above the line and below the line or inbound and outbound, uh, we decided that we would promise to use left side of the menu to come up with our own marketing terminology, which we did. It was not easy to do that. <laughs> and we, we wrote a blog post about it, but let's see, let's see if we can describe it here and whether it could actually join the uh, mix of terminology that folks would use. So here's what we did. We thought about when you go through a fast food uh, drive through or you go to a, most fast food joints, the left side of the menu typically, and we talked about this before, typically has the packaged meals, the value meals uh, listed there. And the right side has all the individual items, the drinks, the desserts, the miscellaneous. And if you draw that analogy and look at healthcare marketing, uh, unfortunately, we see a lot of healthcare marketers, either because they're forced to or because uh, they decide to, they're ordering off the right side of the menu, which means they're focusing on individual isolated marketing tactics. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, sometimes that can happen because somebody from some service line says, hey, we need an ad to promote this new physician. Or sometimes it's because uh, a sales rep will come in and say, hey, we've got a deal on cable television. And if you buy a cable television buy, uh, we'll throw in production for free. And then off goes the healthcare marketer to create a ad or a, a cable TV buy or something. And the problem with that is, you know, we all know that the left side of the menu in fast food is where the value's at because you get all the items kind of packaged together for less money and they're usually packaged in a nice way. So in healthcare marketing, the left side of the menu represents integrated solutions. So instead of, you know, creating a cable TV spot in isolation from anything else uh, or as part of an overall plan, you would be on the left side of the menu saying, well, what's the challenge? And let's think of the multiple ways we could attack this. So instead of just an ad to promote a new physician, you might do a lunch and learn. You might have uh, this physician featured with a special section on your website. You might introduce him or her through Facebook. uh, And you're going to get a lot better value, in other words, results, from thinking like the left side of the menu. So what do you guys think? Do we do it? Do we create something that's actually could be legitimately used in our discipline? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> you definitely took my statement to a whole new level, Chris. Well, that was our challenge. Our challenge <laughs> yes. was to take a, a toss-off statement and turn it into a whole way of thinking about marketing. But I take from your silence that you're not quite on board with that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that we're not on board. <laughs> Adam I'm and just, I can look at each other. I'm just can't gonna. I'm just gonna. I'll, I said it. La- I said it last week. All these names for all these quote unquote <laughs> marketing movements just make me roll my eyes. So I'm just. I'm just rolling my <laughs> eyes again. And that's fair. I mean, this was somewhat tongue in cheek. We wanted to. We wanted right. to try to take this. This kind of habit that we all have as marketers of packaging these concepts in clever ways. Uh, And so the challenge was, let's take a toss-off statement, which I just like for some reason, you know, ordering the left side of the menu uh, and see if we can turn that into something. I think think it's, 
I think we actually made it happen. Now, whether or not it's it's legitimate or not, it's a whole other question. But here's the deal. It seems to me that this is so obvious that it's a that you don't even need this kind of distinction. But Adam, you've been in a hospital, in marketing department. You can speak to the fact that there's a lot of right side menu activity going on, isn't there? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Lots of it. Mm-hmm. And so maybe this becomes a way that when this situation pops up, somebody could say, you know, that sounds like you're ordering from the right side of the menu. Maybe we should back up and look at an integrated solution. Maybe we should refer to it as the, uh, I was going to say the correct side, but then that would be the wrong side. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you're saying oh, the, I see, yes. the right side, it's like, oh, I th- okay, well, it's good that I'm not ordering from the wrong side. But you're like, no, the left side is the right side. What? Right. The right, the right side is the wrong side. Correct. <laughs> you are right in saying that the right side is the wrong side. Correct. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, we already, have, we already had one response to the blog post that seemed to be both understanding the cheek with which it was posted and saying that, you know, unfortunately, there's some truth to this. So I'm vindicated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll see what other people think of this new, this invented concept. And and my hope is that in three years, we're reading about it on Wikipedia. <laughs> people we can are only trying hope. To, yes, people are trying to figure out where the origin of left side of the menu marketing came from. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about word of mouth marketing, which is not necessarily a, you know, this versus that kind of thing, but it's another definition, another way to kind of carve up and look at marketing that I'm struggling with right now. Uh, So let's talk about it. And there's two struggles I have with it. But first, what is word of mouth marketing? So there's a word of mouth marketing association called WOMA, or that's the acronym. Sounds like it, sounds like Mike Myers from the <laughs> Woma. So yeah. Woma. Woma. <laughs> she broke my heart. She uh, stole my a, heart and my cat. <laughs> the, wow. Did you say what movie that was from? So I married an axe murderer. Yeah, that is a classic movie. My best my best line from that is uh, Stephen Wright, who's that great comedian, was flying him in a small plane <laughs> to try to find this girl. And and Mike Myers is like, it's a storm, and it's, he's worried about crashing. And Mike Myers says, how long is this going to take? And Stephen Wright says, about two hours. And then he says, actually, I have no concept of time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was funnier in the movie. Hey, so, Woma, Go ahead. Uh, we better stop the referencing. <laughs> We're gonna lose so Woma defines word of mouth as the act of consumers providing information to other consumers. And I think we can all agree with that, right? Mm-hmm. That's my definition of word of mouth. Here's what they call word of mouth marketing. Giving people a reason to talk about your products and services and making it easier for, the, for that conversation to take place. It is the art and science of building active, mutually beneficial consumer-to-consumer and consumer-to-marketer communications. Okay, so uh, the reason we brought this up is because there's been a report circulating from a a research firm called uh, PQ Media that claims that the expenditures on word-of-mouth marketing are going to increase to $3 billion in the United States by 2013. 
which would be a significant increase over the three hundred million that it was in two thousand and three and they they uh say that part of the reason for this is the rise in popularity of blogs, social networks, and online communities that led brands to shift dollars to word of mark word of mouth marketing so Facebook, Twitter, all of that. Now, here's where I get confused. Is a blog word-of-mouth marketing? Let's just use that to start with. I suppose. It can be. Yeah. yeah. By this definition. It can be, right? Mm-hmm. Well, under the assumption that the people who follow the blog are like part of that individual's trusted network. They're people who value what that person has to say. Well, more important that the person right. who's saying it is a consumer. I mean, to me, word of mouth marketing is all predicated on the fact that I'm talking to somebody who does not have a vested interest in what they're telling me, which is going to get to my second issue in here in just a second. So if, if I'm an individual and I've got a blog and I'm writing about my experiences, I think that counts. I'm not just talking to you over the backyard fence. I'm talking to you through a different medium, but it's still me as a uh, objective, uh, non-incented source telling you what I think. So that's fair, don't you think? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Sure. Now, here's where the trick comes, okay? Because there's, there's some fantastic definitions of types of word-of-mouth marketing on Woma's website. But some of them, I think, stretch, stretch this. So, for example, uh, let me see if I can come up with one that I think stretches it. How about grassroots marketing? Organizing and motivating volunteers to engage in personal or local outreach. How about evangelist marketing? Cultivating evangelists, advocates, or volunteers who are encouraged to take a leadership role in actively spreading the word on your behalf. Uh, How about product seeding? Placing the right product into the right hands at the right time, providing information or samples to influential individuals. Uh, One more, influencer marketing. Identifying key communities and opinion leaders who are likely to talk about products and have the ability to influence the opinions of others. Okay, so some of these, I think, stretch word-of-mouth marketing because they're just means to get people to talk about your product or service, which all marketing should do in some way. Right. But if, if, this, if this starts to grow, if this starts to become more prevalent, and it's already growing— Aren't we undercutting the, the, the very value of word-of-mouth marketing, which is, I trust you because you don't have a stake in why you're telling me this? Right. I agree. Right? I mean, if, if, I'm, if I'm seeding my product to people that are influencers because I believe they will go out and tell their friends, um, you know, that's smart to do. If I'm a friend of this person... Do I know that they've been given this product for free? Is that transparent? Worse, are they being paid to say that? I mean, that's a big controversy with blogs right now. Is that can you trust what people say through blogs? Are they being supported? Because that happens all the time. Financially yeah. supported by the people they're talking about. What do you guys think of that? Well, I don't think I think it's I basically I think it's an abuse of the term. I don't think that that should fall into what is genuinely word-of-mouth marketing. I consider Mm -hmm. word-of-mouth marketing me recommending something to Jackie or me recommending something to you. People you know making a recommendation or or informing you about something 
with no incentive whatsoever other than your best interests in yeah. mind. Um, that's genuine word of mouth marketing. You can't really, you can't set that up other than by providing a good product or service that people want to talk about. Mm-hmm. I think right. anything, any, any movement or any effort that you're making to get people to talk about things has to fall into some other kind other category, other name, um, whether it's the evangelist or whatever. It's just, it, it's inappropriate in my opinion, from a terminology standpoint to lump that into what I would consider word of mouth, genuine word of mouth marketing. Right. It's like tainted word of mouth. <laughs> the tainted version of word of mouth advertising. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's, that's my point. I mean, there's a, there's a nice blurb on, on Wilma's website that says word of mouth can't be faked or invented. Attempting to fake word of mouth is unethical and creates a backlash, damages the brand and tarnishes taints in Jackie's word, the corporate reputation. Legitimate word of mouth marketing acknowledges consumers' intelligence. It never attempts to fool them. Ethical marketers reject all tactics related to manipulation, deception, infiltration, or dishonesty. Now, the classic example to me of pure word of mouth marketing conflicts with that statement, which is Procter and Gamble hiring uh, moms to talk about their products like Tide in social settings. Totally. That to me is that's pure word of mouth marketing. You're putting your money in to help facilitate people talking to people and taking advantage of why people value that. But it's not transparent, uh, and it and it serves to undercut that medium because when if people found out that you're telling me you love Tide because you get fifty bucks to do it, now all of a sudden we're talking Amway. We're mm-hmm. talking network marketing. We're talking, oh, I didn't know you were a salesperson now. I thought you were my friend over coffee, and I'm going to tune that out, or I'm certainly going to think about that differently than if you're just advocating because you believe in it. Right. So I think there's there's almost this inherent conflict of interest in even thinking about marketing when it comes to word of mouth. I understand why people do it, and it's very savvy to do it if you can do it in the right way because as we have talked about, you know, Press Ganey lists word of mouth as the number one influencer of how consumers make healthcare decisions, you know, beyond what their physician says, beyond what their insurance company says, beyond certainly what they hear from a hospital or health system. It's what does my mom think? What does my neighbor think? What does my coworker think? Mm-hmm. Uh, but if this becomes more prevalent and people are start questioning, well, gosh, can I trust what this person's saying? Maybe they're getting some kickbacks. I think that's a real problem. Unfortunate, but real. Mm-hmm. It's just really interesting that the definitions they list on their website just really go against, or the um, the types of word of mouth really go against their definition. They can. I, yeah, I mean, the ones that you listed off sure seem to, but... Well, and here, and then this is where I think like this organ. I'd love to, we should try to get somebody from this organization to speak about it because they might be able to articulate this better than we are. Uh, but here's one of the types of word-of-mouth marketing they list. Conversation creation. Interesting or fun advertising, emails, catchphrases, entertainment, or promotions designed to start word-of-mouth activity. Now, why is that word-of-mouth marketing? That's just marketing. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what – I don't quite get how you've lumped that into word. You're trying to get people to talk about your product, so all of a sudden that's word-of-mouth. That doesn't – that seems to be like a stretch. Like we better come up with a bunch of these so we can seem more legitimate. I don't know. <laughs> right. 
I don't know. This is a, I mean, this is a very popular group, so I don't mean to slam what they're doing or what they're about, but I, I think it goes to the point that we've talked about before. We try to label these different ways to think about marketing, and sometimes we're stretching it, such as left side of the menu. Uh, and and sometimes there's these inherent conflicts where that kind of warps your brain to think about, but mm-hmm. wonder what other people would think about that. I'm sure we'll hear. We'll probably hear from somebody who's a huge advocate or a representative from Walmart or whatever that, that uh, will help clarify this for us. Because, again, I think that a lot of these strategies are smart, savvy ways in today's day and age to get people to, to follow what you're doing and to build brands. Uh, I'm not sure that they deserve their own category necessarily, but maybe they do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one more thing before we go here, I just have to bring this up because it makes me laugh and cringe at the same time. And I actually wrote a blog post about it today, but I was reading business week this week. And unfortunately there's not a link to this article up yet. Cause it's the new issue, but it's about the new, it's about the CEO of Fiat, which bought Chrysler. If you recall his name is, I'm going to probably completely screw this up, but Sergio Marchone. Marchion, let's call it Marchion because he's Italian, uh, and and it's really talking about how he's he's going to bring tough love to Chrysler. Uh, it, it talks about how he doesn't like bureaucracy, he doesn't like uh, fancy titles. He's trying to build a meritocracy, which means if you do good, you benefit. Uh, this isn't about uh, you know all the different kind of politics that can drag down an old fashioned company. He likes honesty, straightforward talk. All that's good. Wouldn't we all agree that that's good? Yeah. Okay. And then it also talks about how he's a delegator, which from my perspective is also good in a leader. And here's what it says. Marcion is a, as at heart a delegator. He sets goals and expects his reports to tell him, how, tell him how to proceed. So we're on board with that too, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So here's where it makes me pull my hair out. But there is one area where Marcion gets deeply hands-on. Can you two guess what that area might be? Marketing and advertising. Marketing, yes. It says Marcion personally approves every ad and already has been meeting with BBDO, the automaker's longtime advertising agency. Come on. What What is with our discipline that that you celebrate this leader for doing all these things the right way. And I think all the other things they mentioned are the right way to be a leader. Yet the one place where he seems to have like a chink in his armor is I'm going to get in there and I want to approve every ad. So, so what do you guys think of that? The same as you. That's, that's frustrating to hear. It's frustrating to hear that. Yeah. I mean, let your marketers do their job, unless you are the marketer, but then... I'm guessing he's not. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, here's a car company. So he's saying, hey, make the cars that you need to make. Engineer the cars you need to, you know, the way you need to. Design them the way you need to. I'm trusting all my people in finance and HR. I'm giving them goals, and they're going to come back to me and tell me how they're going to do it. But don't you run a print ad unless I get to see it. What that's like him saying, I want to see the you know the tires on the cars before you put them on the market. I want to see exactly what camshaft you're going to use. What what in the? Uh, 
Maybe it's a passion anyway, of the his. Good, well, maybe it is. And, you know. It's fun. On the good side, this makes me feel good that, okay, we knew this wasn't just isolated healthcare. We know it's unfortunately kind of prevalent in our industry, but clearly it happens everywhere. Uh, and maybe it's because what we do is so much darn fun, like we talked about <laughs> in the beginning with inventing desire and these other things, that they just want to get down in here and play with us. Do you think that's what it is? Sometimes I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think it kind of depends, but who knows? I don't know. And it's also because everybody thinks that they have an opinion on what an ad it should be or what a logo should look like. So they're going to, if they're right. the boss, they're going to weigh in as opposed to what the camshaft could be. Well, I don't know camshaft A from camshaft B. Do they still use camshafts in cars? I'm admitting something here it, that I have no clue. You know what Good. that is? I have no clue what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Are you oh, dating boy, yourself? Gonna, I don't know if I'm dating myself on that. I think there's still camshafts in cars. How about spark plugs? I know they're spark plugs. That would be like him going, I don't, you don't, you do not use a spark plug in any of our models until I get a chance to see it and approve it. That's, that to me is the same as him approving a print ad. Yeah. I would agree with that. I still don't know what a spark plug is on a car, but I have no idea what's under the hood of my car. <laughs> yeah. I, I know that I push the long skinny pedal and it goes forward and I push the square one to slow down. That's nice. We would hope a CEO would know more than that, right, of a car company. But <laughs> even if they did, they would trust their engineers to decide those things, we would hope. Especially well, exactly. if he's being celebrated as a, as a delegator. Right. For everything uh, but that. Yes. Oh, well. I guess that's our lot in life, and we just need to get used to it. But I don't know. I'm thinking so. I just thought I would bring that forward and... and Again, the good news is all you hospital markers out there, now you know it's not just you. It reinforces the fact this happens everywhere. <laughs> right? Yes. You're not okay. alone. You are not alone. Okay. <laughs> well, let's end on that. I don't know if that's an upbeat note. A cynical <laughs> note. We're going to end on a cynical note because it's 64 degrees and raining. And we're all <laughs> cynical. Fair enough. Ah. Yep. Ah! That'll work. All right. So for uh, Healthcare Marketing Insights, this is Chris Bevelo. Adam Meyer. Jackie Ritaco. Have a very happy week, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.